Movies and Booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer on News Talk. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk 087-1400-106 is our WhatsApp number. Our email address is afternoon at newstalk.com or you can follow us on Twitter. Yes, it's time for uh, Movies and Booze for your bank holiday weekend. Mick O'Connell, Serena Bellissimo and Olivia Fahey join us uh, once again. Good afternoon to you all. Hello. Uh, and uh, you're just going nakedly fizzy uh, today. Do, do you know what? It's, <laughs> it's, it's wet February. Yes, absolutely. Right, okay. Good name. Good, good uh, rebranding I'm, for February. I'm, I'm thinking wet February. of coining it. You yes. Know? But, but, but yeah, it's wet February and I'm thinking, as I've just been explaining to the guys outside, I don't have the car today. So all I'm thinking is I'm going to have a glass of something that I like right now, then hit a little mini pub crawl on the way back to the dart, maybe. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling the weekend vibes. But fizz to start, we've got a pet nat from Portugal and then we've got a Prosecco frizzante. Now, people know what a, a Prosecco is. What the hell's a pet nat? As you can see, obviously the listeners can't see this. This is a cloudy, slightly odd fizzy wine. But pet nat means petillant naturel, so naturally fizzy. Okay, fair enough. They, they they gave it. It sounds it sounds posher until you translate it. Uh, it was like that's just a pretty obvious description of what it is, right? So the two movies this week, Olivia. Yeah, uh, um, quite different, but also yes. ones that I, I I actually thoroughly enjoyed both of them. We've got Argyle, which is just absolutely off the wall bonkers. Yeah, and then you've got and American you liked Fiction. Argyle. I knew you were you were very keen to review this film. I, I genuinely was. I kind of knew that it was the vibe that I was looking for, especially when you're after coming out of the dreariness of January. You just want something that's just a little bit stupid funny. And I yeah. laughed throughout. Did you? Because <laughs> I, I looked it up, it got 35% of Rotten Tomatoes. The Guardian gave it a one-star review. The BBC mm-hmm. said it was shoddy and derivative. And USA Today said even Henry Cavill's hair can't save it. <laughs> I that hair. But is you loved it. Do you know what? Again, it was just it just ticked all the boxes for me. And I'm I'm also a big fan of Matthew Vaughan, uh, who did Kingsman. So it's yeah. one of those things of like if you didn't like the kind of almost slapstickness of Kingsman, you're not going to like this. Yeah, I did. Okay, but a lot of people didn't. A, oh, well. a hell yeah. of a lot of people yeah. didn't. And I take great joy in then telling them to be like, well, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> So, but uh, American fiction is, I suppose, also a comedy, but it's more clever, clever. It is. It's uh, like almost like a meta sort of look at how the entertainment industry and also the uh, the book industry looks at um, specifically like black stories. And it is just the cleverest humour and just all-encompassing story that I was like, this is, it, it's so intelligent but then so funny and it's even just more natural as a case of instead of it just being like here I'm going to plug in a joke here they're just like naturally having a conversation and someone just drop a clanger and then you're Mm. like almost peeing your pants like laughing on the floor (laughs) so because it just comes out of nowhere sometimes I thought it was just a piece of art okay that's good I mean anytime I don't know people should we should ban the the word meta because it just because people go what does that mean really even anyway and it sounds all pointy headed and Chin scratching. True. It's kind of like, it's almost like, even though it is doing exactly what it is sort of like focusing on, it's also doing the exact same thing, but a different way. So it's kind of like looking at itself through a mirror, through a mirror, through a mirror, if that makes sense. Okay, that sounds more confusing. (laughs) It's funny. It's about a writer. That's all you need to know. Uh, uh, Well, we'll talk about it in more detail in a while, Lean. Could you please ask your experts, that's all of you, what are the alternatives if I want to watch a particular oldish film 
but it's not available to rent or buy on Amazon Prime, Netflix, YouTube or the IFI website. There's Disney Plus, Paramount. This is the problem. There are yeah. so many streaming um, streamers now. You don't know where to go. So you have to check all of the streamers. Yeah. And then if it's not there, I'd go to eBay or something like that. And mm. But then that means you need to have a DVD player. Yeah, and how many of us hard. actually, we have a DVD player. Do that doesn't, you? Well, it doesn't I, really work. Uh, mine still works. Yeah. And I, my entire DVD collection case, when uh, the internet went down, I was very happy to then just like open up the case and be like, hello, DVDs. How are you doing? I, I interviewed Kieran Kassan, the, the, you know, the film regulator fella and and like the, it's quarter million a year of DVDs are still sold in this country yep. so obviously lots of people have them yep but I think this person's problem uh, is that they're looking for a particular they want to watch a particular oldish film uh, and uh they're wondering where to get it. I want to know what the film is now yeah, that's that's it. tell us what yeah. the film is that's it. now because true story I I saw like this is very weird and nerdy, right? There's a, there's there's, a, there's a, a funk singer called Betty Davis, not the actor. Uh, um, she was in the 1970s. She was a former model. She was married to Miles Davis for a while uh, and recorded three absolutely sensational funk albums and then kind of disappeared. Now, she kind of got fed up with the business because people just kept referring to as Miles Davis's wife and there was other issues there as well. But then she just disappeared. And I saw this guy's made a... I, and it just by accident, I came across... There's been a documentary made about her, an hour-long documentary. Could I find it anywhere? No. Eventually, I found it on Vimeo or something, and and it was only four quid. I downloaded it, but it was the French version. Uh, so <laughs> no subtitles. So, no subtitles. So uh, How, how's your French? Uh, not great, really. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, if it had been just French subtitles, I would have been happy. But uh, you know, I just abandoned it then because you know it was you'd hear a voiceover in you know in, in around people talking Gosh. but that was really annoying uh so it's probably <laughs> that kind of thing i suppose yeah. what he wonders to know, wants to know is there some obscure old movie website that he could i honestly can't think at. of one i was even yeah. on like geez, if it, usually if it's not even on sky store then you'd probably find it difficult to get your hands on it in general everything yeah. i click on on apple Everything is trying to charge me. So presumably mm. it's on there. Yeah. But yeah. if not, you can have a look at, now this is going the long-winded way, but you can look at where the film was made. Mm. And then if you're really desperate to see it, go to that, like, the IFI equivalent of that um, cinema in that country and ask them because they usually have an archive of, like, if it was an yeah. old Irish film, the IFI will probably have an archive and get really excited that someone is actually asking mm. for something that no one wants to watch. Yeah. <laughs> no offence. No, no offence. Andrew says, no, and this is a good suggestion, uh, just watch, because uh, you can, if you put the name in there, it'll give you a list of where you could possibly watch it. Uh, somebody else says, the two films I want to watch at the moment are Life is Beautiful, which is an Oscar winner, and Parklands. Is that on Disney, Life is Beautiful? I'm going to Google that for you. Yeah, I actually That'd don't be, know it. I've got that on DVD. Then, well, these might be old movies. Maybe. Yeah. Life is Beautiful, like the Italian R- Roberto film. Benigni, yeah? Could be, I don't know. Bella. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm I, I, I have that DVD somewhere. French, if you want to learn. It's all foreign to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, there you go. Make Hazard if you want to roll uh, uh, alone. And uh, Quentin Tarantino is going to make his last movie. Yeah. And we know that Brad Pitt's going to be on it. Yeah, I don't believe. Like, do you believe it's no. going to happen? I, do you know what I think is happening? Is he saying to it's everybody? It's No, he, he probably does feel that way, that he's come out and said, I'm making my last movie. 
And maybe he's going to go and take a break. And then I'm not saying I'm inside Quentin's head, but, you know, then he'll go take a break and then maybe be inspired again. But at the moment he's going, this is it. I love what it's called. We don't really know what it's about, but the title may give it away. It's called The Movie Critic. Yeah, but apparently it's based on a real person who used to write reviews of porn films in L.A. It's very, you know, Quentin Tarantino story. based in the 70s and he did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with um, Brad Pitt and with Margot Robbie. Now, that wasn't brilliant. But I am glad that if this is going to be Quentin, Quentin's final film, Brad Pitt is back to join him. So yeah. we don't know much about it. It still hasn't been bought by any um, studio. Wouldn't be surprised if Sony does because that's who he's worked with lately. Um, it'll just be interesting to see. I, he's saying it's his last film, but I'm sure I was listening to a Louis Theroux podcast there this morning with Baz Luhrmann, and apparently after Moulin Rouge, he said, you know, another seven years and that's it, I'm done. But then he was inspired again. So maybe what Quentin is saying is I'm tired this is yeah. this is my all, and then if I'm inspired, I will come back again. By I don't money have, yeah, inspired yeah. <laughs> by cash. Although, does he really need it at this stage? I don't feel like no, he. No, he doesn't. But uh, even for him, he must have a strong sense of I'm just making the same movie over and over and over again. But it's I'd say for him, it's fun. So he keeps doing it while it's fun, and then once it's not fun anymore, he walks away. Yeah, but would he not like? Broaden his interests away from the 1970s and kung fu movies and, and, you know. But why would you? If someone's paying you to do what you dreamt of doing when you were a little kid and you'll get to live out your dreams, the other stuff is really hard work. Yeah, no, great. But, but like, you do it once and then 20 years later or 30 years later you're still doing the same thing. You might go, I think I should do something different now. You know, take a bit of a risk. Or maybe I should retire. Do a musical, you know. (laughs) I think that's probably why he's being like, I quit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm done. Do a musical, Uh, I'd love that. And so Beetlejuice 2 is coming out. When's that going to happen? Yes, so that um, they just released a poster today and it's coming out. Now, there were fears it wasn't coming out to 2025 because of the actor strike. Oh, yeah. But the poster has said it's going to be called Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice and it'll be out on the 6th of September. So it'll be out before we know it. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Michael Keaton's in it again. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So we've got the cast in again, but this time, and um, Winona Ryder is coming back. I'm excited about that. And Catherine O'Hara, who's in Argyle. Yes, there you she go, is. full circle. And um, this time we've got Jenna Ortega, Willem Dafoe, Monica Bellucci, and Justin Theroux joining the cast. So usually I don't get excited about films like this, but with the cast coming back and the injection of this new blood as well, I think it could be a bit of fun. Or it's going to be naff, but doesn't matter. We'll all still turn up and watch. Yeah, that's probably true. I think, yeah, there's enough of an audience for that. Life is Beautiful, uh, beautiful is on Google Film for three ninety nine. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And do you know what? It's worth paying the three ninety nine. It's such a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Yeah. Days of Heaven was reissued, I saw. Was it? Have... Yeah, just recently. I didn't see that. Yeah. What is that film? Yeah, it, it's that. a Terrence Malick movie. Richard Gere is in it. It's yeah. really oh. it's beautiful. Uh, it's like set in early 1900s. Uh, but it just every single frame of it is absolutely uh, gorgeous. Now, there is a story, but... Uh, but it's beautiful to look uh, it's at. It's really well. beautiful to look at. It's, yeah, I must say it's one of my favourite films, uh, it must be said. Where can we watch that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, in my, I might invite you to my private cinema uh, uh, at some point. Uh, right, so uh, tell us about uh, um, our fizzy whatever it is. So we've gone, we've gone straight in at the deep end and yeah. we have a pet nat. So this right. is from a producer called Quinta de Raza. It's Portuguese. It's from northern Portugal, from an area called Vinho Verde. So we know Vinho Verde, some people call it the green wine, ah, but it's yeah. the kind of light and lightly fizzy um, mm. wine. 
The grape varieties up there tend to be Alvarino, so the same as Albarino that we get in the northwest tip of Spain. Yeah. And quite often Lurero. I have no idea what grape varieties are in this particular wine because they're Portuguese and I can't remember any of them because they all sound mad. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but that's not what this wine is about. This wine is all about fizz and fun and quirkiness and it. Sadly, you can't see it at home, mm. but or in the car. Yeah. But it is, it's cloudy. Yeah, very cloudy in very the bottle, cloudy. less so in the glass. Yeah, mm. and I, I think that can be the type of thing that puts a certain person off. It doesn't taste in any way weird. It is fruity and fun. The way that Pet Nat is made, so it's, it's Petillant Naturel. It's, it's in theory the easiest way to make fizzy wine. So in order to make fizzy wine, you have to get the bubble in somehow. So the easy way to do it is carbonation, like Ballygown, but nobody does that in fine wine. Most people do a second fermentation. So carbon dioxide is released as a byproduct in fermentation. Most people start with a still wine. They add a bit of sugar, add a bit of yeast and get a second fermentation and do it under pressure. And doing it under pressure means that the carbon dioxide is, is trapped mm. and, and you get the bubble. So with Prosecco, they do it in a big tank. With Champagne, they do it in the actual bottle that you, you receive, that you purchase. Um, with Pet Nat, it is also in this actual bottle that it's done. But instead of a second fermentation, the fizz comes from the end of the first fermentation here. Hence you being left with a little bit of the sediment. The sediment is the yeast cells that were used up in the fermentation. Okay. So like we're, we're, kind, of, we're kind of used to it now from the craft beer scene that you get a little bit of sediment and stuff in wine and nobody really minds to a degree anymore. This does look weird, but it tastes so yummy. Yeah. How much sediment is in the bottom of that bottle? Because you don't want like the last glass to be wrecked by chewy bits. Qu- qu- quite a bit. But, yeah. but for me, what I would do is... Like you pour the first first glass out and it kind of rinses almost the bottom of the bottle in doing it. So the rest of the bottle is cloudy. You're not, yeah. your last glass isn't picking up all the sediment, if you see what I mean. Yeah. The sediment isn't causing you any problems at all. In fact, it's probably good for you. Um, it's, probably the only it? th- it's probably the only thing about the bottle that is good for you. Everything else, I'm sure, is bad for you in some way, shape or form. But let's not talk about that. It's yeah, Friday. No, indeed not. And, and why, what is, the, what's... The sediment is just grape then. It, so it's, 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 it's leftover lees, which is used up yeast in this case. So what, what quite often in, in, in wine nerd talk, they talk about um, fine lees is the, the yeasty bits, but some, a small amount of the kind of broken down grape skins and things like that. Yeah. But okay. it's, it's probably the only place that you're finding antioxidants and all that jazz. Exactly. So that, that, it'll balance out then. Olivia, you kind of... Did a ooh kind yeah. of face when you drank that. Honestly, because it, it, to me, like the flavour of it is almost akin to like a Bellini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because totally. of that absolute burst of flavour. And I was like, wow, that is very, very tasty. And I'm eyeing up that bottle for later. Apricotty, <laughs> peachy. Yeah. Like it, it, it is so fun. Yeah. It, it's dry. The fizz gives it a little bit of extra crispness as well. So it is a refreshing drink. Mm. But like... It's only 12%. I, I, I have a it? feeling this could be gone by the end of this hour. Yeah. No, that tastes stronger, actually. Yeah. Weirdly, I would have assumed it was more, more than that. That's so interesting. Uh, somebody, uh, sh- uh, Frank on Twitter, uh, it says uh, bfi.org.uk. He says for olden uh, classic stroke cult films. Uh, that's one place to try. Joe also on Twitter says, I've been trying to find State of Grace starring Sean Penn and Gary Oldman for years. Uh, with no luck, he says. 
And uh, uh, the uh, another Sean uh, says, I uh, went to see all of us strangers this week. I'm not prone to hyperbole, but Andrew Scott's performance is up there with De Niro in Taxi Driver. Just spectacular. I do feel like he was properly snubbed for Mm -hmm. the Oscars. I really do. And the BAFTAs. And the BAFTAs, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one. All right. Yeah. He's just, like, everything about that movie hinges on his performance. Mm -hmm. And he is just, wow. It's it's almost like a masterclass. Yeah. But he's not trying too hard either. Like, you know, when you usually talk about masterclasses, it's just like, I can see the person trying. Yeah. He's just naturally talented. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is he's... um, well, yeah, Killian versus Andrew in a performance off. Oh, Killian. don't do this. Uh, no, sorry, Andrew. And you'd Andrew. go for Andrew. Yeah, just yeah. because of the yeah. emotion. No, I mean, no, it's not It's not fair to make that decision. But I must say that, that uh, um, I haven't seen All of Us Strangers, but I have seen Oppenheimer. And Killian Murphy's performance is extraordinary. He All that, you know, that old cliche of inhabiting the person is uh, the way he purses his lips, the way he... And if you compare it to the way he acts in anything else, it's completely different. Yeah, and I think it's because it is a full transformation as opposed to, like, Andrew's is definitely more like he can put his own stamp on it, whereas, like, Killian had to be a completely different person and yeah. was totally convincing of it. Yeah. If that makes sense. The uh, No, it was just struck me that... Cause, uh, after I watched it, I was thinking about his performance and, you know, De Niro is often, you know, greatest actor of his generation. Not compared to that, actually. Yeah. De Niro was like more or less the same person. Yeah. Just did it very well. Yeah. But that, that, that's a completely different level yeah. what Killian Murphy did. Absolutely I know Canadian. that's controversial, but there you go. Movies and booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk. Had to bring the cat. What did you expect me to do? Leave him to fend for himself? Come on. Be fine. Cat ladies always die alone. The cats figure it out. I am not a cat lady. I'm not. And what's your problem with my cat? Exactly. He's really cute. He's cuddly. He's loyal. Please. You suddenly drop dead. That cat's chewing your ears off within 48 hours max. Which, with you around, gets more likely by the minute. Right, that's uh, Argyle, uh, the uh, uh, fantastic uh, cast, Olivia. It should oh, be said. it is like a stellar uh, cast. Is the, is the cat really such a big deal in in this <laughs> film? Because they're, like they're using the cat as like a marketing tool here. They are, and I have to say, the cat for me was actually one of the aspects that I thought could have just been edited out completely, and you wouldn't have missed him really. <laughs> like poor Archie, sorry, you're very cute, but um, you didn't really add much to the storyline itself. But this was a Nepo from, cat, wasn't it? It was. Uh, so yeah. it's actually so Matthew on the director he is married to Claudia Schiffer and it's their cat mm. and Claudia even brought the cat on the press tour and showed up on the red carpet with the cat in the bag and poor Schiff did not look well pleased <laughs> yeah I'd imagine so yeah I'd imagine so now you did now it's uh, uh, given the director it's it's kind of like Kingsman or, or, or is it like Man from Uncle type so territory I would actually say it's almost like a cross between the two I think the sleek sort of spy aspect is very much more on the Man from Uncle side of things but then the humour and the sort of action sequences um, side of it definitely more Kingsman like you can see it in the trailers. There's a couple of sequences that are just like bursts of colour, which will be reminiscent of, spoiler alert, uh, one of the closing sequences from Kingsman as well. There is a couple of like very close side by side comparisons, which I know is probably not great for a director to be kind of like rehashing some stuff that he's already mm-hmm. done. But I still enjoyed it. And because it is one of those things where you're just like like almost face palming in your seat going, this is so ridiculous, but you can't help but laugh. And it is also still executed quite well like there's 
I, I can't spoil it because it will actually ruin a sequence. But there's there is one bit where you're like, this no, that would never happen. Physics says no. Yeah. But <laughs> it's so entertaining. You're like, okay, I just have to get. I just have to, you know, take a break from reality and just dive head into this. And you will enjoy it a hell of a lot more if you do that. Uh, is Henry Cavill? I yeah. Has Henry Cavill done any comedy before? He was actually in Man from Uncle, which. Only oh, after okay. I actually made that comparison did I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so he has done a um, little bit of comedy here and there. He was also in Stardust um, as Humphrey, who is the main challenger for Victoria's Hand from Tristan. Okay. Um, you would not recognise him yeah. at all. He's blonde with like blonde facial hair and everything and, you know, making eyes at Robert De Niro at the end. But <laughs> it, it's uh, so he does have that like comedic sort of flair, but... In this, because of the character that he's playing, he is playing a spy that is the written version of a spy. So he is still supposed to be like that suave and smooth. And there's, um, you see it in the trailers, there's the sequence on the train, which is where she meets um, Aiden, who's uh, Sam Rockwell's character for the first time. And he's trying to save her from all these people that are trying to, to kill her. But they kind of intercut it with her imagining what Argyle, Henry Cavill, would look like doing this. And he's there kind of being like smooth and, you know, suave and like making faces at her being just like, hello, yes, I know, I'm gorgeous. Ah. As Sam Rockwell is just getting the everything beaten out of him. <laughs> so is Henry Cavill then, uh, Henry, Argyle is a fictional character within the movie? Yes. So this is meta as well. It is. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme of my choices this week. Um, so yes, it's kind of told nearly like not quite side by side, but like it, it'll go with like the book story that she is writing or has just written. And then it'll almost kind of like intertwine itself with what's happening in real life. Because the reason why she's being chased down is because the things that she has been writing about are actually happening and she didn't uh, realize it. Right, okay. So now the bad guys are kind of trying to be like, OK, write the next chapter so we know what happens next and we can try and stop it. I see. And is the cat in a real cat or is it a meta cat? It, the cat is real. So yeah. Ellie Conway, um, who is the pen name for the actual writer of the book, Argyle, which is a real book, which only came out the beginning of January. And now the film is out already. They spent like $200 million or something for the rights to the manuscript to make the film before the book had even come out. And wow. the That's how confident they were that this was going to be a big thing. And then it exploded all over TikTok and social media with people thinking that Ellie Conway was actually Taylor Swift. Yes, well, I mean, that's an easy mistake to make. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, and, of course. Uh, and that adds to the whole conspiracy theory of did Joe Biden actually re- uh, uh, write this book? <laughs> and is he our guy? So are all the characters in the real world apart from Henry Cavill or is it a mixture of It's uh, a mixture of, of both. So Henry Cavill's character, Dua Lipa's character... John Cena and Ariana DeBose. They would be the four that... Oh, sorry, and Richard E. Grant. They would be the, the five that are kind of like the, the fictional book characters and okay. then everybody else is playing a real character. Okay, and uh, how was Dua Lipa at the old acting? Bless her, she tried. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely more of a stand pose, do a bit of dance, wave off a motorcycle and sit with a bit of a sour puss on her face. Um, like it, she really wasn't given that much to do so yeah, like yeah. It, it, there wasn't really much else she could do with it anyways did she sing an old song no okay All just right, did a little then. boogie and did the um, ah oh, what's it called the whirly burly with Henry Cavill yeah I'll leave you to google that yourselves <laughs> that now and Henry Cavill has a, has a flat top 
um, it is a hairstyle, comical which, looking. Which, which you don't like. I don't, but I mean, I, I read like lots of bad reviews of the film, but people really seem to like his haircut. Uh, um. it, it, it was definitely a, a choice. It was yeah. a talking point. <laughs> it is literally like he was just doing far too many headstands and it just flattened the top of his head. <laughs> Did you get the character here called Max Hedrum? Yeah, yeah. That's who it, it looks like they based Henry Cavill on that Max Headroom. Yeah, he had a flat top too. Flat yeah. Top. Well, yeah. flat tops were a thing. And the fact that, is he so wide? Like, have they enhanced him or is that really his size? Oh, he's huge anyway, he is, isn't he? He is a, a giant of a man. But he looks even bigger. I like, think it must be like. that special, like, it's a nice tailored um, nice. blazer <laughs> coat thingy. Um, and because from looking at it, it does look like it has those kind of like pointy shoulders, padded. Um, Shoulder things and <laughs> shoulder pads. Shoulder pads. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I got the totally wrong way around. But um, that's how it's described in the book. Those pointy shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have more wine. But anyways, it does look like it, it does kind of like elongate his shoulders just that little bit, just because of the cut of the blazer itself. Um, but it, he, it's, it's still very lovely to look at. Yeah. Oh, I see. So it, it's almost like the the. Uh, it, the book is del- obviously deliberately camp then. Oh, this, yes. Yeah. So the real world events, are they deliberately camp as well? Or, or you're seeing a camp depiction of more grubby things? So it's definitely like the, the it's it's not as camp, but there is still some campness to it. And yeah. there's some like just great, almost slapstick humour moments in it. And one of my favourite bits actually uh, was seeing uh, Emmett Scannon um, is in it. Mm. And he's actually playing, um, I don't want to say like, it, it's a di- it is a different role because he is so notoriously known for playing kind of like the the villain charmer kind of thing. This way, he's just sort of like, oh hi, like just kind of like just charming and trying to chat up um, Bryce Dallas Howard's Ellie Conway, and it doesn't go too well. But then he has a great line like just towards like his in his last scene, and it, it I just laughed a lot. But it was just great to see him in it and just, doing something a bit different. Yeah, to exactly. What he's usually cast and he was us. actually yeah, and he was actually okay. wondering was he going to be in it. He was on. Um, Oh, I forget which chat show it was, but he was on that being like, oh, yeah, like mm, I filmed a scene in, in Arc. I'll have no idea if I'm actually in it or not. So, you know, if you're listening, you are in it. OK, that's good to know. That's a relief. Uh, and like I also read that, well, the critics who didn't like it said it was full of MacGuffins and you couldn't really follow the plot. But from what your description sounds like, that's almost deliberate. Yeah, like it is. It's a spy espionage caper and it has a number of twists. And it does, I will say, it does get knotted up in its twists at times because it, it gets to a point where you're kind of going, oh, okay, that this one shocked me. And then like about 10 minutes later, there's another twist. And you're kind of like, okay, what is happening here? And then it goes to another one and you kind of go, wait, that doesn't really match up with this one. But then there's another twist and you kind of go, oh, okay, now they've righted it again. <laughs> so it is kind of like that ongoing twist. Do you know what? I'm going to get really, really geeky here with this explanation. It's almost like if you're playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons and every time you think you're coming to the end of a quest, suddenly there's another quest that you have to go on in order to get a thing. So you're trying to, you know, beat the witch. In order to beat the witch, you've got to get this magic helmet. In order to get the magic helmet, you've got to cross this thing. But then you can't even find where the where that is. You've got to go to this graveyard and awaken a, a zombie to ask him a question about that. It, mm. It's just that kind of ongoing story yeah. and then eventually you get there. I think that's a situation we can all relate to. <laughs> um, what is trauma dumping? Oh my God, this is hilarious. Um, Elmo, I love, do you follow Sesame Street on Instagram or no. on Twitter? Oh, no. you they, they are fabulous to follow and not just for little kids. So the other day, um, at the start of this week, Elmo just put up an innocent tweet and just went, I'm not even going to try doing the voice, but Elmo is checking in, how is everyone doing? Okay. Well, 
That tweet alone had over 150 million impressions on X, formerly known as Twitter. Do we even need to say that anymore? Just on X. No, I, um, I, I, I still call it Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. badness. <laughs> you can call um, it Twix. Oh, there yeah. we go. But um, and it had over 150 million impressions, but then people started responding and dropping their trauma. On on Almo, they were saying stuff like, you know, I'm not doing really well. Um, I'm having a quarter life crisis. I've lost my job. Celebrities were getting in, like Rachel Zegler from um, West Side Story. She wrote, resisting the urge to tell Almo that I'm kind of sad. Like it just, it really took off, and they didn't expect it. And then Sesame Street, being Sesame Street, came back and went, do you know what, Almo actually did a good thing here. He's told us all that we all really do need to talk. And he, um, Almo came back and said, oh, wow, Almo is glad he asked. Almo learnt that it is important to ask a friend how well they are doing. Almo will check in again soon, friends. Almo loves you. Hashtag emotional well-being. I'd say Almo is exhausted. Leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> I would like that story better if Almo would come back and said, I don't really give a shit to be honest with you. I was just <laughs> looking for attention on the internet really more than anything I just uh, Quarter-life crisis. That explains so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that explains so much. Traumatised 25-year-olds. Yeah. It must be awful for you. All the poor things with your flat stomachs and your heads full of hair. Oh, how do you cope? Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. Anyway, you are listening to the Moncrief Show uh, <laughs> on News Talk. Uh, right, so, uh, so oh, Michael says, uh, I finally got to see Oppenheimer, uh, Oppenheimer over the weekend. What a load of horse manure. In fact, I'd rather stare at a bucket of it for the duration of the movie. The women were portrayed as a little as uh, uh, as a little needy and crazy. Uh, we learned little or nothing. Well, that's actually true. Florence Pugh was, yeah, the two main characters. Mm. Uh, uh, we learned little or nothing about his brother. Also true. And the congressional hearings uh, was little more than a homage to Oliver Stone's JFK. Although I would say Killian Murphy was outstanding uh, in the lead role. Yeah, that was a thing. Like Florence Pugh. It is I couldn't help with- thinking, why do I need to see Florence Pugh's boobs? Now, <laughs> not that I object to it. They were lovely boobs. But like... They were totally, it was almost like he said, oh, I get to see Florence Pugh naked. It was, that's all it was. It was yeah. Yeah. It's prurience. a thing with Christopher Nolan's work is that his female characters are never, never. really the, yeah. the most well-rounded, so. Yeah. There's, a, that, there's an opening for a pun fest in the, on the back of that comment, but I'll, I, I'll avoid it. Uh, Mick, right, tell us about our second fizzy drink of the day. So we have a very, very delicious other fizzy drink. Oh, of yes, the day. before you do, the, the Pet Nat, where can you get it? So, People sorry, Pet Nat is uh, from an importer called Quintessential Seamus, who is has a shop in Drogheda, so you'd be able to buy it online with those guys, but it's available through independence uh, around the country. Quintessential Quintessential, quintessential. Seamus. That's a Seamus. brilliant name, um, yeah. but difficult to announce. Uh, Seamus to is a bloody hardworking importer. Mm. He is at all of the fairs, all the wineries, and you can tell with this, because this is, this is delicious and great value. This is about 25 quid, um, which for Fizz is definitely in the kind of, still in the affordable entry level-ish mm. kind yeah. of neck of the woods. This next one is, is from a producer called Andrea Stocco. It's a Prosecco. So Prosecco is now a region. It used to be a grape, but the Prosecco 
as a region wanted in on that kind of um, wine nerd thing of champagne can only be made in the champagne region in France. Yeah. And now yeah. Prosecco can only be made in the Prosecco region in northeast Italy. Oh, God. Um, it used to be a grape variety. In, in Oz, they have loads of Prosecco farmed, which, which has um, some, some interesting consequences, legal battles between the EU and Australia over where Prosecco can be sold. Great crack. Um, this uh, hilarious stuff. The grape is now called Glera. I mean, nobody has a breeze about Glera. It, it used Glera was a small dialect name for the Prosecco grape, and yeah. now they've they've coined that one so that they can Prosecco can be the region. The region is Veneto, which is kind of between Verona and Venice. So, like, amazing, amazing part of the world, beautiful part of the world, and. I can tell you, Verona is a great place to go drink fizz. Oh, wow. But here, style-wise, peach pear, not dissimilar in some ways to the Razapet Nat, a little bit drier feeling. Mm, yeah. Um, so feels like a little bit more of a serious kind of um, of fizz, but I still think you could drink this by the pint um, quite, quite easily. Um, in terms of this particular one, it's DOC. So you, you get Prosecco DOC and DOCG, the DOCG tends to be the stuff that's on the hills and tends to be the stuff that has the foil wrap around it. The DOC wine quite often is the either screw cap or in this case Spago. Spago is, it has a cork and then a string over the top. What you know when you get Spago and, and um, the screw cap are they're both frizzante styles, so they're lower pressure. Yeah. Spumante styles are the ones that have the foil around them that look like a champagne bottle. They're higher pressure, so a fuller bubble. Um, this style, they they tend to do it in big stainless steel tanks, but everything, the second fermentation happens under pressure and then it's bottled under pressure. But this is the kind of fizz that if you left it overnight, not that that would ever happen, mm. it would be pretty flat the next day. Oh, right. And the string doesn't have a function per se, rather than that you just tell you what it is. In theory, it keeps the cork from popping because there is pressure behind the cork. Mm. So you're at, you're at about three bars of pressure. Why that is important in our market is we tax fizzy wine at double what we tax still wine. Yeah. So both of these wines fall into the still wine category. So they're lower tax because the pressure is lower. That's extraordinary, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, and and who measures <laughs> who measures that? Is there um, some like taxman who's shaking bottles and then popping them out? So and, I have heard yeah. of of bottles that were being brought in tested for their bars of pressure. I don't even know how you would do that. I have absolutely no idea how you do that. I think you kind of have to trust the producer on it. Mm. But but if it's a cork, if it was six bars of pressure, like five point five six bars of pressure, like in champagne the cork would fly off. That's why they, they have the cage around the cork in Champagne to, to keep the yeah. cork in situ. Yeah. Right, so, uh, and how much will a bottle of that sit you So that's 19 the, euros. You'll get that from station to station online or Devonies in Dundrum. The Raz is about 25, that's the pet nat, and you'll get that quintessential or around. Yeah, around. Just just try hard to have a look around. <laughs> now, there's this uh, documentary about uh, Celine Dion um, and, and tell us the neurological condition she has. It so, sounds very grim altogether. Yeah, so do you remember in, I think it was 2021, she was supposed to be doing a Vegas residency. And yeah. She had to pull out and there were all these rumours about her not being well. Well, she has something called stiff person syndrome, which I 
said it sounds it weird. Work. Like yeah. you can, I wish we were to come up with a better name for that. I know, but, but basically, that's how she's feeling, right? Mm. It, it describes um, what the condition does to you. And so, while she was gone, she actually had a camera crew with her recording what it was like for her to live with this condition. She's still living with the condition, by the mm. way, but she recorded what it was like to um, live with the condition, trying to get back on, because her dream ultimately is to be able to get back on the road. Yeah. So it's recording that and her aim to get back, and she's also been um, recording. And, do you know, this is like, you know, when a famous person gets a condition or a disease of some sort, they say it's really important if they feel comfortable to speak out because then all of a sudden these things that we didn't know about or we knew about, like when Kylie had her breast cancer diagnosis, in Australia the amount of young women who went and got their breasts checked because Kylie was yeah, only 36 yeah. and and it's the same with Celine Dion. She's shining a light on stiff person syndrome. How many of us knew, knew about that? I've never heard of it before. Neither had I. So um, Prime have said that they've bought it. They can't wait to air it. There's been no release date yet, but I actually can't wait to see it. I'm thrilled that she's let the cameras in because that can't be easy on her as well. You know, she's 55. She's been performing since she was like 13 or 14. Her life has been, you know, about being perfect when you're in the spotlight. I'm not saying she's perfect, but, you know, she's always been perfect in the spotlight. And to let the cameras behind the scenes where you don't really have control on what's going on with your life, that's actually quite huge. And and it it seems like... Stiff person syndrome is, I assume, as the name implies, that you kind of seize up and, you and do. You can't you, really move. Yeah, and apparently the sad thing is that there's um, no cure for stiff person syndrome, oh. as we know yet, but there are ways for it to be treated, but there is no cure as such. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, right, okay. But that's coming to Prime Video soon. Yeah, but, and, but she's probably still hoping that, hoping against hope maybe that she will be able to. Yeah, as are all her fans. and But, you know, it, it's yeah. great that she's putting this out there for all of us. Right, okay, we'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is American Fiction. Here's a clip. Excuse me. Uh, Ned, do you have any books by the writer Thelonious Ellison? Yeah, uh, this way. Here you go. Yeah. Wait a minute. Why, why are these books here? I'm not sure. I would imagine that this author, Ellison, is black. That's me. Ellison. Yeah. He is me, and he and I are black. Oh, bingo. No, no bingo, Ned. These books have nothing to do with African-American studies. They're just literature. The, the blackest thing about this one is the ink. I don't decide what sections the books go in, and no one here does. That's how chain stores work. Right. And you don't make the rules. Yeah. Okay, right. Actually, that gives us a, that gives us a nice kind of flavour of what, even what's happening uh, to this author. Exactly. Like he is really he hasn't really sold a book for a while. Anything that he's written, his manager is kind of like, yeah, it's fine, but you know they want something, and he's kind of there going blacker and he's like yeah because that's what's in vogue at the moment so he gets really frustrated one day sits down and he writes in his opinion what clearly everybody just wants it's the stereotypical black book and he writes it as a satire he's like no one's ever gonna buy this he writes it under a pen name and oh lo and behold it gets picked up it gets picked up for a hell of a lot of money it then gets picked up for movie rights and but only if they meet the author 
He's like, but what if they recognize me? He's like, no, don't worry, no one's going to recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> Because he is an author, but not a very well-known. He's not a very yeah. well-known. Like yeah. he's very much like niche. And in the clip that you just heard there, like his books are like just fictional stories. Yeah. But they're being displayed in bookstores under African American studies, which you know, you ain't going to learn anything about the culture <laughs> from yeah. his books. So that's kind of the point that he's trying to get across: is that like the way that people view like their culture and and the people themselves is a completely warped way. But unfortunately, that's just the way that people have been making money. And there's another female author who is doing the same. Like she's um, played by um, Issa Rae. And she's kind of like, well, no, like I researched and I'm trying to like create a story that my readers are going to enjoy. And they have, and it's been very successful. Like there's nothing wrong with writing what people like if I'm enjoying doing it and trying to do it well. And he's really struggling with that kind of aspect of it. And this is before, like, because nobody knows that it's actually him behind the book whose title I will not say out loud. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, because it's a naughty. It uh, is a naughty word. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, um, but but so I suppose it's about how like black culture is fetishized by white people or white industries. Yes. To, and, yeah. it, and he meets with the... Uh, the film exec who tries to do like the cool guy handshake hug thing and, spe <laughs> and, and, and speak to him in, you know, like his own language kind of thing. And, you're just, yeah. and he's just like, no, yeah. <laughs> this is not how it's done. Um, but it is like, it, it, it is really and truly poking fun at the industry whilst also kind of doing it themselves, which is kind of where the meta-ness plays into it. Okay. Uh, when you say doing it themselves... Um, see the film and find out. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, okay, fair enough. Uh, but the film is doing it knowingly, I assume. It is. Yeah. It's kind of doing it more so to highlight how often this actually happens. And it, at the heart of it as well, there's also this whole like, big like family dynamic as well. Like his mother's unwell, there's a death in the family and his brother is kind of, after going completely off the walls, his brother, the brother is played by Sterling K. Brown, by the way, who has been nominated for an Oscar I have an article on site that is about people who've won an Oscar for less than 20 minutes of screen time. And I swear to God, if he does win, he's getting onto that list. He's barely in it, but it is actually very, very good. Wow. But it is yeah. like, it's just one of those captivating performances, even though he, he, I think he maybe only has 10, 15 minutes of screen time. Okay. But it, it he is so funny. So he's, uh, two of the siblings were doctors, including, um, uh, Clint, I think his name is, um, Sterling K. Brown's character, and Jeffrey Wright plays Monk, um, the the author. And he, he's talking about having um, given the mother opioids. He's like, it's okay, I'm fine, I'm a doctor. Like, I'm watching her from here. And the Monk is like, I'm a doctor too. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, if I want a sentence re uh, resuscitated, I'll give you a call. Uh, yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> but it's that like quick brotherly kind of humour and they mm. just really, like their chemistry was off the charts. It was so good. Yeah. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Sounds almost as good as Argyle, uh, <laughs> it should be said. Almost. Actually, do you know what? I would say American fiction, five stars. Like, honest to God, set the bar really, really high this year. Argyle, I gave four because I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, hey, as long as you're happy. Exactly. That's the important thing, Olivia. Thank you very much. Uh, Olivia, Serena and Mick, thank you all uh, very much. That's our lot. Movies and booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk.